And we're live. Beat People Podcast 81. This, I'm just going to call this season something or another. Is it five? How many, how many years we've been doing this thing? Seven Man. or three. Yeah. We're old. Seven, seven or three or seven? No, 73. <laughs> <laughs> we're senior citizens in this here game. <laughs> this is Beat People Podcast coming to you from Georgia. <laughs> It's Speak People Podcast 81. And yo, uh, it's good to be back, man. We've we've taken a little bit of hiatus. Everybody had all kinds of things to do. I got my man Ken Flux Pierce. I got my man Upright. And we got special guest Peter Brown from Roland. He's gonna be talking about the SP404 MK2. And there's been a lot of uh a lot of discussion all over the place about this joint. So I'm happy to have him here. We could kind of talk about this stuff and uh uh, shout out to my man D. Still, I wish he was here, but you know he's somewhere saving the world as he always does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, let's get started. <clears throat> Yo. Yo, Yo, Peter, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for coming on. Good to have you. Let's see who we got in the chat. Just a few shout outs. We got some of the usual suspects, some guy named Beats, Beats and Guitars. Not sure what, who that is. <laughs> and yo, uh, what's up to Charles Brown? Uh, we got Why Not in the place. Uh, Izzo, Curry Cases. Uh, yeah, man. So be sure to, to firstly, you know, as we get this going, be sure to drop your um, your questions in the chat. And we'll try to get them going. So um, I think we'll start like this. Pete, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, just kind of to, to uh, preface the folks a little bit. Well, how, how far back? Like <laughs> When I was two, I... <laughs> as, a, as a young boy from Connecticut, <laughs> right now, I took piano so. lessons. <laughs> so how'd you end up doing what you do today? Sure. Yeah. So I moved to LA probably uh, right after college to work in film and video game music. And I was working at a film music studio for a while. I did a couple of video game scores. Um, and I was looking for something that was a little bit different. Uh, I'd always been doing a lot of software instrument design stuff that I learned in college, like using reactor to build my own stuff in software, Maxim SP, that type of thing. Nice. Um, and the uh, I saw online, actually, I had bought this thing with my first big paycheck. I bought, uh, I don't know if you could see it, the V-Synth XT. Up oh, there. wow. Dope. And I didn't really have any reason to buy it except for <laughs> I had a uh, Juno D when I was growing up, my first electric piano that my parents bought me. Um, and that was a Roland. So I was like, oh, okay, they make like hardware, I guess, you know, I was like raised in <laughs> software. Funny. I'm part of a software generation. So, you know, I kind of yeah. came into hardware basically when I started working for Roland. So I saw a uh, ad on their website saying, hey, we're hiring tech support for our dance and DJ product category. Here's what you need to know. Here's your kind of qualifications. And I was like, oh, that seems simple enough. And I joined and they then immediately released the first IRA series, TR8, TB3, VT3. That's what happened. So I immediately got thrown into um, kind of the biggest thing Roland had did in like 10 years or something like that was, was that product line. Um, 
fast forward a little bit, I kind of go from being a tech support person to being a more product specialist person, um, traveling a lot all over the country, doing demos, things like that, uh, supporting dealers, talking to customers, going to KnobCon constantly, um, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I have, I'm kind of a nerd, so I know a little bit of Japanese. So I was able to relate to our engineers a little bit and like kind of geek out. So that really helped build a relationship close enough where I could feel comfortable talking to them directly mm-hmm. <laughs> for better. Well, for let, worse. Me, let me ask though. I mean, cause this, I feel like we need to go further into the stack now. Why do you know a little bit of Japanese? <laughs> Man, no I'm doubt. Like a, I'm a total, I'm a total closet weeb. So, <laughs> Man, Japanese to learn Japanese is not easy. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Man, it's, it's pretty tough, but you watch enough, you watch enough anime and movies that you pick up on some really basic <laughs> stuff and then you try to apply it. And then realize you're being like super rude the entire time. <laughs> oh, shit, sorry. Like, you know, I impressed my wife one time just because I we were we were in uh, Cannes, France, and we met this lady, and uh, she said where she was from. I was like, "Oh, cool, arigato!" And she, she replied. My wife was like, "What?" I was like, "That's all I know, and I just know that because of <laughs> like I said that." Arigato to all my people in Japan, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> So, yo, that's that's pretty dope, man. So you came through like you got the job because you basically you saw the thing and <laughs> you applied and it worked out. You were a good fit. And so is this the first product that you've been product owner of? And is that even the, am I saying the right? Uh... That's a good question. I mean, Roland's huge and we make a lot of products. And yeah. that's something that, you know. It's good to put it in perspective how much stuff we do, how many instruments we make every year in how many different categories. So that combined with, you know, the engineering folks being in Japan has a lot of interesting challenges. So normally what we do is that we have like two bodies of people. One does the research and plans the products and says, hey, this is what here's some opportunity. Here's what people are saying. Uh, and then the other team are the builders, the people that actually construct it. And those guys are geniuses in their own right. Um, but there's a lot of challenges if you're based in Hamamatsu, which is kind of a rural area south of Tokyo between Tokyo and Kyoto. They might not know what like the latest situation is. So it's kind of been a initiative on their part to incorporate more global people. I'm part of a very small team of three guys that now work for the headquarters directly in an effort to kind of become a little bit more, um, I guess, globalized and like in touch with what people are asking for and being a little bit more intimate with that process. So my technical title is a product planning manager and I work in the planning group and I'm part of the team of people that, um, does that research and goes to, you know, trade shows and stores to talk to customers, not so much in COVID times, you know, everybody's remote. Um, but, you know, kind of taking that a step further and saying like, okay, this is the pr- product type that we should do. Here's how many knobs it needs. Here's the kind of system that I think could work. And, you know, taking wow. it beyond just saying, Hey, wouldn't it be a cool idea if we like did a drum machine? It's like, well, what does that 
What does that What's mean? That mean? Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> like, Man. What kind of drum machine? So real quick, it sounds like you have a there's a lot of in-depth uh, involvement there, man. Um, I'm curious to know how you got on the SP404 side of things. And um, I mean, just a shout out to you, man. You you killed it the way you brought all this together. I mean, I'm just wondering how you got brought into that aspect of everything. So it's a good question. And it's important to know, like, it's this is a huge team effort from a lot of different people. And we'd been wanting to do a 404 for years we as in like global roland and there just wasn't really the time and like the right set of circumstances to do it um the sx and the a perform really well you know the people it, it still had a vested interest in like the from from the sales world it was like one of the most stable things that we we made and people still really liked it so you have to approach it from a business perspective does it make sense to then upgrade it or are we good now you know kind of letting this ride out um so one of the first things that i did when i went over there in my new capacity i had some research that was made four years ago of like people using 404s and wanting like a specific set of features uh that was gathered by my, my coworker christian he put together this great deck but it kind of sat and collected dust for a while so i was like hey what about this? And like, here's some actual modern stats. We did that 404 day, I think was two years ago, maybe mm -hmm. last year, two years ago, we did a whole kind of marketing celebration of like 404 culture with like flying Lotus interviews. Uh, the mm. late Ross G was also uh, featured in that um, DBS. And it felt like that was very long after Ross G passed away too, but yeah, it, it was, was right around that time frame. So yeah. It was almost, right. yeah. Um, and we had great, engagement statistics from that like clearly like the interest was big enough and then the engineers couldn't really ignore it anymore so you know in me and my new role i said listen this is what i we need to do i was lucky enough to have a coworker over there uh Shirado. then this is much his baby as it is my baby Man. he kind of resonated with that we connected over um all sorts of stuff and you know you remember there's the two groups of people the planners and like the kind of engineers He's the kind of top guy of the engineer. So <clears throat> we immediately hit it off. We geeked out over all sorts of weird music and said, hey, wouldn't it be great if we worked on this together? So that's kind of how that got started. And it was like a project for over a year and a half building this thing. Man. Dope. That's dope that you you all kind of worked as champions for each other, it seems, too, though. Because, I mean, you know, it probably helped amplify the idea of doing a project like this within Roland. It's pretty dope. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of like underground and like hidden achievements that this product makes from like an uh, internal perspective. Like it's championing. Um, it's like the most high tech product in our category right now, which is really dope considering we have, you know, the TR8S and the MC yeah. they're all very advanced in their own way. But this, this thing is on another level on a very low level, like CPU based type of thing. It does a lot of really, really cool and interesting things. So from a roadmap perspective, I would love to kind of see this be the new standard of what we do. Mm, 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 mm. No doubt. You know what I like about the way you all rolled out? And I think you kind of almost spoke to it a little bit. Just the, the idea that <clears throat> you stay close to the community of it. Um, I'm always about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even when I pull up the 
the webpage here. Well, obviously, I just I see you there, but then you have you have DBIC and just people that are known for rocking with this joint. And I feel like that's probably just because you all keep keep uh, your hands in the community. Yeah. Uh, so Definitely. is that is that like an important part to you? Is that something that you and your counterpart kind of bring to the situation? Or is it one of those things where, you know, it's part of research and what happens, happens? No, we, Sherado and I did a ton of early interviews with some select 404 people, artists and basic customers. It's important to get, you know, kind of even hobbyist perspective, why they choose to buy a 404. Like, why mm. did you get this thing? If you're not a professional musician or something, mm. uh, we talked to all sorts of people to get kind of like what they like about not just 404s, but SPs in general, you know, talk about the 303 vinyl SIM versus 404 vinyl SIM and this crazy like mystique <laughs> of like the whole product category that doesn't really exist in like other <laughs> other instruments not even at roland it's this very specific thing so you need to get intimate with that and like understand people's passions and why they like stuff why do they like the compressor even though it's like sounds absolutely ridiculous it has a sound man <laughs> people really like it yep you know but wait isn't that's kind of that's kind of almost like part of roland's legacy like you know, think about all of those classic machines, y'all. Like every drum machine, go ahead and name them, whatever they are, 808s, the 909s and all of that, the, the 303. I mean, I personally grew up in Chicago where all of the house music and electronic music was the 303. And, and I got, I was like, enough with the, the 303. But that just speaks to the fact that it's so classic. I couldn't hear you, Ken. I just, but it just speaks to the fact that it's so classic, right? And so a lot of people at, at first, what was the 808s and 909s were very reasonably priced because drummers at that time were kind of like on the tilt of, that don't sound like no drums. I don't know why anybody would do that. But then hip hop and dance music cats picked those things up and made them things of legend. So like you you have things in, in those genres that are like, yo, that compressor that drum machine sounds like crap and all of us are like yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's that sound man it's like sounds so dirty and over the top but in a good way Ro roland is at its best when we make the most ridiculous stuff i think and we mm. got to really lean into that you don't want to make a boring product that just kind of is a jack of all trades master of none type of thing <laughs> i think you should just really be a have a focused instrument that does one thing really well and if it if its thing is sounds ridiculous when it's compressed and has these crazy simulator effects, then man, that's, that's what we got to do. Yeah. I've, I've been kind of hanging back, listening to Corey talk and, and then expound on his hip house hate again, um, <laughs> which is nothing new. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. I love the three or three. Matter of fact, I was using, I was using my Zox box the other day, but uh, now one of the things about, about this project that really jumped out at me. Um, and I don't know how much this has to do with this being your uh, first product and kind of a, a different direction. Um, I bought, I bought one right away. Like, and I don't do that. Like, I'm not that guy. I, a lot of the times I'm like, if I'm not directly associated with a product, I have so many other projects going on that I'm like, I don't really need to buy a gear. But when I see something really special, I'm like, well, I need, I, I'm going to have to investigate that. I investigated for like two minutes and I was like, no, this is, this is right up my alley. And there's specific reasons for it. One is the battery aspect of it. 
And then there was some forward thinking aspects about it that really jumped out at me. Um, the ability to sample from an iPhone with one cable, like just plug in, sit on, you know, sit on the couch and pair of headphones, iPhone and that. And I have an entire sample library ahead of me and I can just do some fun stuff and I can work in a, um, a kind of committed method where it's like, I don't have to overthink what I'm doing. I like to, I like this idea of like kind of laying things down and then moving forward with it. Um, but what jumped out at me is, uh, so there's a, an iOS app called Koala and I see like some of those interesting features from Koala jump out at me on this. And what's great is I'm more of a tactile person. Like I have a ton of iPad apps and all that stuff, but I buy them. And then I don't use them yeah. because I don't like the non-tactile feel of it. Um, so was this was this something that you kind of were like aware of what was happening in the landscape externally, like from, you know, anything from like MSX's uh, low fly tape to like Koala to, you know, just the different iOS apps in general in the portable space and then applying that to a more tactile, you know, hands on experience? Yeah. That's a that's a good question. the The beat maker scene for in as far as iOS instruments go is was a really big surprise to me. Uh, mm -hmm. I had to rely a lot on our now kind of um, I don't know. I guess he's the old me at Roland US, Jay Ibarra. He uh, he's a huge resource in the SP community as a moderator and all sorts of SP forums. But the way that he makes music is so like bonkers because he had because he uses ios koala yeah. combined with sp stuff we're talking about cryptnip right yeah Kripnip. we're talking about cryptnip yeah he's right, using i just want to give him a shout out <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah Kripnip. um he's using a pen and like kind of penciling in music and then yeah, sampling it. i'm like what are you yep. doing people make music like this <laughs> he's so like i had to ask him all sorts writing of writing music <laughs> yeah I'm just like, what is it? you look like you're taking notes at an office or something, but, um, you know, you have to ask, you have to ask people like, what is, I don't know, what are your tools and why do you like them? So I, him and I had a lot of conversations as to why do people even like Koala? You know, what's the ideal scenario mm. where a person would use Koala, but also a hardware unit, um, that USB connectivity thing was, Man. you know, kind of a solution for that. It's just a means to provide people with more easier more of an easy sampling experience from literally anything now you can right. basically use. Yeah. I mean, that literally calls me to like, I hit my boy up like right away. Like, yeah, what kind of deal can you get me? Like, let's make this happen right now because I'm, I, I love the idea of, you know, sitting elsewhere outside of my studio. Cause I spend most of my day in my studio and I'm like, a lot of the times you want to get inspiration in other places, whatever, or I'm getting yelled at for being in the studio too long. Now I'm outside of the studio, but I'm still doing studio things. So like, you know, I, I have like a pocket operator and, you know, stuff like that is great, but they are very, um, a lot of these other tools, for instance, the Volca sample to me is a perfect example of what not to do. So it's like, you have this great little laptop device that you can play around with, but it's a sampler that you can't sample into. You have to import. Like, I I hate that. <laughs> like, thoroughly hate that. I feel like that's one of the worst things in the world. Don't ever do it, and I will burn your house down. <laughs> but 
when, when, when I see this, I'm like, okay, so arson contemplation. When I look at this though, I, I got excited because I'm like, okay, so I'm probably not going to like, and this is my first impression when I first, I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to get the editing that I want. I'm probably not going to get this that I want, but I can do this, 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 and this, and I can save it. And then as I start watching more and more videos, I'm like, oh snap, like, okay, the sequencer has been deeply improved. I'm like, Oh, hold on. Like now that's not, that's not just a, that's just not like a number digit display. Like that's a, that's a straight OLED display. Now, now I haven't, I haven't touched one. It looks almost like there's like a, like a magnifying glass over that to expand it a little bit. Is that right? Or is it just circular? Is no, it like a bubble? A, it's the form factor of the original 404 yeah. use this circular kind of yeah. design language and the, the funny story behind that is at the time, like Gundam and G-Shock watches were really, really trendy, especially in Japan. Mm. And so if you look at an old SX, it looks like a G-Shock watch. I don't yeah. know if you even if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so the, the screen on it is rectangular. But yeah. we're still making it look like a 404. I don't know if it would have the but, same. But what I'm that. asking is, is like, is is the glass piece on it? Is it like domed so it makes the screen look bigger than it actually is? Like so that oh. it kind of magnifies it. No, I think, I think it's basically one, transparent. The old one kind of had that. I think the old one kind of had that feel, like a magnification feel. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I'm like, well, man, you could just throw a little screen on it and bubble it out, <laughs> make it huge, whatever. Oh, I get that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I'm not, but but not like. Yeah. The, the, the ability to have that screen on there, like it's nice having the animations that you guys have on there. That's all like aesthetically pleasing stuff, which is great. But really <laughs> what got me is the fact that, oh, well, like now we have waveform editing and like, you know, that's like little things like that are pretty, pretty huge for that. That's huge. And, that, and that's kind of one of the things I want to get along with what Ken said and what uh, Brian is posting up here. What are some of like, I guess, maybe the top handful of things that's been improved or added to the mk2 yo i can answer this i can no go ahead <laughs> Bryce has been on research mode heavy <laughs> just glo globally across the board right that's yeah. the sequencer okay. the sequencer yeah no, no, across the board across the board then we'll okay. get to the sequencer okay. okay well i can start with well let's start with the sequencer the sequencer we have a now have a page that's called record setting where you go into it and you can immediately adjust like how many uh, how long your pattern is like in terms of length you can set it all the way up to 64 64 bars uh you have adjustable input quantize is now a floating percentage it's not just like on or off which the you know the old ones um had that uh you can change that on the fly too so oh. as you're recording you oh, can kind man. of switch it to a softer quantize or yeah. something that's a little bit more strict okay um there's also shuffle amount as well that's really cool. There's a very like simple pattern edit that lets you crop or duplicate patterns internally. So if you mm. capture an idea, you can uh, isolate it and then loop it. Um, there's also a pattern chaining mode where you can chain patterns together and have it kind of cycle and play in order. That's really good for, you know, basic kind of song construction. Um, and how there's many, a lot of like patterns. How many patterns can you change? Uh, up to 16. Okay. Yeah. So up to a 16, up That's to cool. a 16 pattern. Yeah. Um, you can also do things like, I mean, I don't know if it's like the, 
the sequencer and the sampling kind of blur together on this yeah. in a very interesting way. So like 16 velocity has been implemented where you can kind of have a one set velocity for each pad. So you can do dynamics really well and really easily. Uh, but you could also resample patterns while it's playing, which was a big thing that old SP heads were really frustrated at. You couldn't play a pattern and then resample it as audio to kind of right. manipulate it. Right. Uh, we fixed that problem and even added the ability to kind of isolate what you're resampling. Are you resampling everything? Are you resampling the stuff that's just going into the input so you can kind of layer something in? Um, can you do that as a things. fixed length? As a fixed length? Yeah, so like if you're doing that, do you have to start and stop it manually or can you just have it resample that to a specific, you know, like, like okay, this is four bars. bars. I want those four bars. Oh, yeah, I that, see. Yeah, that's one of the features I think a lot of people want is like a fixed length loop recorder. You know what I mean? Or resampling, you know, uh, thing. So I don't know if yeah. that's in there or not. The the fixed length is not. There's no kind of ending quantize, but that's a great idea that we can probably consider. Um, as far as like recording start, that's something that can be done in just like wait for the note or pick up when it loops back around and then it starts recording. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of those types of things. Well, I'll just tell you, just so you know, Peter, um, because Ken brought that up, fixed length, if you all end up doing a feature like that, he's going to want you to call it flux length. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's flexible. In fact, in fact I get irritated when people call things flux. I get that a lot. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I didn't design that. <laughs> um, no, I, I actually have a question about how the culture at Roland is right now for, for you and this device. Um, the 404 kind of lives in a strange world at Roland, it seems, because there was the 404. Before that, there was the 303. The 404 was like a direct iteration of the 303 and like evolving what that product was. Um and really from that, like the 202 doctor sample and all that stuff. But um, it, it seemed like the, the 404, then it then we had the SX, right? Which gave us what? Uh, SD card. Um, and then we had the A, which was the same as the SX, but new, you know, just new look and had a couple of updates under the hood to make everything work. Um, so now we have the MK2. And I guess the question really is, in my mind, at least, okay, you have, you, you brought it up. You have a V-Synth there, okay? <laughs> and Roland has a history of kind of like some things they may, they may stick to for a good while and some things maybe not. So when we talk about like, oh, yeah, like it'd be great to have this or great to have that. I bought this thing knowing what it does today, right? Not at all looking at like, oh, well, what might they add? Do you guys have any kind of like planned in um, like, yeah, we're, we're willing to update this thing a few times or are you more just like, eh, we'll see how the community handles it and go from there. Well, which I know is a difficult question. <laughs> well, um, we, we do have a roadmap for this product in terms of yeah. what it does now and then what we want it to do, like say a year from now. Sure. Uh, or two years from now, um, there's things that, you know, when you're testing it internally and, you know, you're getting barraged with bugs and feature requests and ideas and complaints and all this stuff. Mm. And 
it's a full-time job to kind of prioritize things. And Sherado and I had to spend a lot of time to figure out, well, what's feasible, what's feasible for like the price point for mm -hmm. when we want to finish yep. this thing by that makes total um, a whole lot of stuff. So the stuff that doesn't make it in, doesn't like go off into a vacuum, you know, it's something that we're kind of archiving as, you know, putting together a roadmap for the future. If we want, mm -hmm. we can kind of, you know, invest time and, an effort into into making that happen but you don't want to be too strict because people might get this thing and like you just said quantized ending you know resample length type of thing that's something that's very interesting in a novel idea which i can't say for sure if we'd be able to do that but getting some information from customers that have tried it um we want to be flexible to kind of adapt and say like oh, okay people are kind of wanting to do this sure not to get to adjust your priorities a little bit according to the community right yeah, yeah. that's 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 yeah. kind of how we designed this thing is like we had to listen to you know every kind of minute detail as how as to how people use this which as it turns mm -hmm. out people use 404s incredibly differently it's a very open yeah. platform type of product some people don't even touch the sequencer and they make songs completely by resampling which boggles my mind but you mm -hmm. know people do that and you have to understand how they do that and why they like doing that you um, know something that i think i feel like it would be difficult to um you know when you have a lot of beta testers you have a lot of feedback and you all have a huge community i feel like it would be difficult to just keep things on the rails and not like you know sometimes especially in the beat making community and maybe even the synth community sometimes there's this this tendency to want to make everything into everything and i always say everything ain't everything yeah that yep. is philosophical straight up yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's the sps are sps the npcs are npcs <laughs> machines are machines you know yeah. what i mean like and yeah. it, it, like, this tendency to be like uh, it, it it's almost like you know you buy a um uh a car and it's uh you know a standard you know drive thing and then somebody's like why does it also have the stick shift and it's like yo <laughs> you don't need all yeah. the damn clutches and sticks all over the place right you know right. what i mean that's a, a a way out kind of analogy but i'm just saying it seems though like that that would be a tough thing just to kind of be able to say well the sp404 is this and we want to improve it but still keep it in its lane does that become like a difficult thing to do? That's, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, you have experience, Corey, with your products, mm -hmm. with the with the effect product, and then your your fantastic new wavetable module. Yeah. There's there's like a focus with those instruments, with those with mm -hmm. those products, um, and you really need to to know when to stop adding stuff. You know, they call it feature creep when yep. features just creep their way in and stuff gets past you know, me and goes right to engineering. And then it's like, wait, where did this thing come from? Why do we need this? And then, you know, the form factor in the UI of this is really specific. So when people say, Oh, what about like having a step sequencer or something like that in it? Mm -hmm. I have to think like, well, what is the UI solution for that? Like, is it better to <laughs> include something that's like kind of clunky and then gets in the way of what the product is supposed to do? Uh, or is it better to just like take in everybody and just or every kind of feedback and try to figure it out? I'm kind of more of the former because I think the the, the intention of this product is really like people know what it is. It's a sample. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? yep. That's one of the reasons why I bought it because I, I looked at it and I was like, it's not trying to be something 
that it's not. It's just like a proper evolution of where the 404 culture is moving. And I'm like, you know, to me, I, I got excited about it because I was like, yeah, it looks like you buy it for what it is. You know what I mean? Like you buy it to yeah. be working in this new workflow that like I've got SP2400 or S2400. I've got MPC 2000 XL and, you know, live and force and all these different workflows. And they're all cool. They're all fun. And it's like, that's another very definitive, like the SP workflow and the SP vibe is a legitimate vibe that shouldn't be like just thrown away for the fact of like making something new. Yo, so, so quick, real quick. Um, oh, well, yeah, go for it, man. I was just going to say, um, what about a grid, a, a, like to nudge notes on the grid? So, you know, if you're in a pattern sequence or does that, is that something too far fetched, uh, to, you know, nudge notes, move notes in that around, um, on a grid? It's, I mean, it's possible. I can't say if we would be able to do something like that or, or, or anything. I could tell my personal opinion, and I'm not the only stakeholder with this product. Sure. Uh, but my personal opinion is that the sequencer on a 404 was never meant to be like at this DAW like right. yep. type of experience. Yeah. Right. It's, it's strength is in its simplicity and yep. that's how you get people making fantastic music that sounds really intricate <clears throat> and, inter and interesting is with a really basic sequencer that yep. just kind of does what it does and it sounds how it sounds right that's yeah. just my personal opinion no i, if, I would agree with you yeah i agree with yeah. that yeah otherwise what's the i mean what's the experience difference between using Ableton if you could just micromanage yep. everything gotcha. the the sample editing on this thing I actually talked to people that were really wary of like the waveform and seeing mm -hmm. the fact that you can zoom in and adjust your start point <laughs> and people were like intimidated by that or they're like no it's going to lose all the feeling but then you got to then recognize okay you can actually chop in real time too you're not going to lose that it's part. a it's a really valid complaint because that's one of the things that um you know, like working on the S2400, I was like, you know, hey, you know, we don't want to always be super fine about everything and, and that kind of thing. And but you give the ability to do it. So and then it becomes a matter of like, well, if I really want that workflow, like how much discipline do I have? And then as you were talking about feature creep, it's like, well, then it becomes, OK, we'll implement features that just won't take you away from it being what we intend it to be, right. you know, right. and not the whole design by committee of like, you got to, you know, you've got a million people in the room all saying it should be something different than it. It comes out being mush, you know, like yeah. if everybody's putting their own color on the canvas, then it just turns into this brown, ugly, purple mush, you know? So you don't want that. It's like sometimes, sometimes reeling things back and painful decisions can sometimes end up creating gold, you know? Um, simple stuff like the, um, the connections on the back now being quarter inch. Yeah. That on. I, I thank you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate using all those, uh, adapters and stuff that I, I had to, I can remember, uh, going and doing a show with the, the 404 and man, there was so much, like, I just had a, a couple ratty, uh, adapters, it was my fault, but yeah. still, 
what's the idea that I needed those adapters <laughs> in order to do that? And then I, I was there for a long time. Like, how about if I hold it that way? If I do it that way? All right, somebody bring me some tape <laughs> to get surgical. That's more of my problem. But just the fact that it's quarter inch now and it's not a big deal. That was a dope uh, inclusion. <laughs> I've had to like take a like a matchbook or something and put it between the RCAs of older yeah, yeah. to get it to work. Like, put some pressure on it. It's like right. that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Dope yeah. inclusive like that. So I feel like those yep. are the kind of things that you all have done that just kind of those are those things that you kind of paying attention to the practical use of it and bringing it up to up to spec. So one one thing I heard online is that um, you know. A certain amount of people think you guys are going to charge for firmware updates. That means, you know, added effects. I was like, no, that's not going to happen, you know. But from your uh, perspective, if you could speak on that. Or rolling cloud, in, in, you know, aspect yeah. of that as well. Yeah, that, I think that would tie in for sure. Uh, firmware effects will never be a charge right. from us. That's, you know, we do oh. firmware to, like, better the the value of your purchase. Exactly. If, if anything, yeah, we have a subscription service with, you know, great software. And, and now we have a burgeoning sample content library that has all of the, a lot of interesting samples more geared for beat makers. That's something that you could, you know, purchase and buy, but firmware is not going to be something that we ever put for sale. Um, yeah. So no worries there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, what was what was something that you did on this product that excited you, that you personally are like, I'm really glad that we got to put this in the product? Man, I think, I mean, what's this is a sampler, but people talk about the effects, I think, more than the sampling experience. And in some ways, I wonder if this is like more of an effect box than a sampler for most customers. So that's what's dope about it. It's kind of blurs yeah. the lines kind of a little bit. Yeah, well, especially now with the new version. You know, I think I think the previous versions, people either were like on the effects box side or you know beat making side. You know, I, I was personally on the effects box side uh, just because of the sequencer. Just the the you know the old version, the sequencer. Um, you couldn't resample it. You know. I think uh, four pads monophonic was the most you could play in that in that sequencer. If I'm not wrong, two stereo pads, <laughs> which is crazy. Like, can you make a beat with two two stereo pads? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> so People I mean can now. Find a way, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I, I Yo, the SP404 community are kings of creative. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, you have people like. Um, like Liam Lizzie was a guy that I that I uh, I met in Atlanta and con consistently talked to. He's a great uh, 404 artist, but he you know he makes music on an MPC, but then he has a whole chain of 404s or SPs mm -hmm. after that to kind of get a specific sound and a vibe. And like the SP 303 is like the final thing just for like one effect. And like that's amazing <laughs> to me. So the the effect portion of this project was like the most important for me. Um, we had a fantastic time looking at the current library. What's, what's, do, what do we change? What do we keep the same? What do we make from scratch? I, I was lucky enough to like pitch a couple of effect ideas, um, and even go so far as to like designing them and prototyping them and working with the DSP guys to realize it. 
um, that was that was fantastic. The, the cassette simulator was the the main thing that I was working on, and that was oh, a big project so because like it's really complicated <laughs> on the programming <laughs> side. Man, nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, That's that, like, that was actually a standout feature when I saw the the initial sort of announcements and stuff. That's a standout feature that cassette effect. It's pretty yeah, cool. it's kind of wild. That and the lo-fi, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, another quick question: um, uh, the subsonic effect. I notice you guys don't have that in there. Do you guys plan on adding that at some point? Is that going to come back? Do you think? I know. I saw a couple people like, "Oh man, they took this out." So just wondering on that. Well, I can neither confirm nor deny that, okay. Okay. <laughs> that we okay. will ever add this. I got you. Effect. I got you. Wink, wink. Okay. <laughs> but if there's enough demand for it, if there's demand for it, that's yeah. you know people making them heard with like helpful suggestions and things that's right. always welcome especially when it comes to effects because that's what that's what this product does great and that's what our engineers also are really skilled at doing is making these dope effects so is there a specific reason why they took that one out i think that's the only one that's missing from the sx if i'm not mistaken that the subsonic yeah see uh yeah uh the I don't really know if there's a particular reason beyond just refreshing the catalog and figuring out what we wanted to do and more effect types that people and SP customers would find interesting. Um, I don't think okay, there was gotcha. like really a, a set like rationale as to remove it beyond just like restructuring what the effect library is. I got a question for you as, as it pertains to rolling cloud. Um, I saw that, uh, good friend of the show ski beats has a pack up on on rolling cloud now which is great to see um will we be seeing more beat packs for the 404 and and that sort of expansion content specifically for the 404 yeah well we're going to be releasing a consistent stream of sample packs that are geared towards this format they're broken up into like sets of 16 samples just like the preset content um they're going to be really easy to load into your sp uh, they're audio, so you can use them with whatever hardware you have. It's not sure. necessarily just an SP, but mm. that's kind of the vibe that we're going for. I want to push for a little bit more like um, like it's good to have kind of this like all-encompassing drums, samples, chops, all that type of thing. But I'd like to see more specialized packs in the future. We could do something that's like, I don't know, Middle Eastern instruments or like more, kind of more nice. localized content. I think that stuff is really fun to sample. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're growing that that uh, aspect of the rolling cloud business for sure. Well, let me let me ask then what's um what's the process for external third party uh people to get involved on that? I'm asking for myself, being completely. <laughs> I'm thinking that <laughs> if I want to provide sample packs for this, I need to know what's up. <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's basically just a project file, right? Is pretty much what you're getting. I would uh, assume. You, no, you'll get you'll get wave files. And like the, well, I think the specific delivery mechanism is still being fleshed out, but you get wave files with the sample pack. Hmm. Does the project does a project include samples, uh, patterns, all that stuff? Uh, not pattern data. It's just sample data. Just sample data. Okay. Yep. Um, let him answer the question. <laughs> to, to answer to answer Flux's question. It, and just to, I mean, I'm sure you guys are, are aware of this. The whole process of the sample pack thing has been really interesting and challenging because of like artists that like 
I love the music of might not make the best sample pack creators. Because Amen. You kind of need to be an engineer to do this correctly. Mm. So it's been a really interesting process to kind of like talk to people and like kind of get a feel for what their setup is and then, you know, discover new, new folks and things like that. Um, so I think like in the future, we'd like to do artist specific packs for sure. Mm. But as far as like finding more people that are in that space of like basically generating their own content, they have the, the gear to do it. They have the right recording path to make like, you know, top level sound quality. Um, just like shoot me an email, I guess. <laughs> you know? well, that, that'll have to happen. <laughs> I want to see. I want to have the unit in my hands and work with it for a bit first. For sure. No doubt. But hey, no. Just, let me just add on to that real quick. With with the four hundred four, um, you guys also have uh, what is it? The three hundred three, five hundred five, seven hundred seven. Um, like the MC series. How do you see the MC series and the SP series kind of cross pollinating it all? Like, do you see? any cross chatter between those products because they all seem very kind of forward thinking. And it seems like the new generation of Roland in a way. Um, so, so do you see like some parody there, like the effects of the four or four kind of crossing over with that and vice versa from the effects standpoint, that's, that's something that's very doable on our end. We have the ability to kind of, you know, not necessarily share effects directly, but the process of porting effects is, is very easy, specifically mm. to effects. And the MCs are like um, really deep machines. So yeah, <laughs> they're, sure. uh, they're, they have their own really um, in-depth system. And I'm sure if you've used an MC 707 and have tried to like go into the sound edit and then go further into the sound edit, and then you're kind of looking at, I don't know, like a, the direct mainframe of something, it's like kind of wild. Um, but in the future, I, I could see that there being some cross pollination, whether it's in some effect sharing or into some similar like features influenced by the SP, maybe, uh, again, I can't really comment for sure. Uh, cause we haven't really thought about, uh, thought about that, but the, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say like, there's a good possibility. So, you know, one of the things too, is that you all, um, you put, what is it? The SP 303 final sim in there and the 404 so it's cool you have both you have the 404 vinyl sim and the sp 303 vinyl sim which i think is dope too because i do know people that have you know the different flavors of sps like you said after their mpc or whatever it is just to kind of get those those nuances of the effects that are a little different um and and those boxes, just like anything else, start to become more expensive on the aftermarket. Was that like kind of part of the thought? Like, yo, let's sprinkle a little bit of the <laughs> the three hundred three effects in there, just to kind of give them a well rounded sort of uh, right. this is bigger than just any one sort of model machine. I mean, that's kind of one of the top customer requests even before we started designing this was bring back the 303 vinyl sim <laughs> so we couldn't not do it i think there would be a riot if we came out with a new sp and uh, didn't include 303 vinyl sim so now you get you get everything i mean for the most part you get 303 404 vinyl sim there's a 404 compressor on there but nice um, yeah. One of the things I wanted to say to the to the people in the comments, I'm gonna try to get your questions up here, but just know that you know if it's stuff about what's coming in the future, I, I don't know how much Peter would be able to uh, dive into that stuff. But I'll leave it to him to answer, not answer, or you know, do the dance accordingly. <laughs> but just so you know, uh, that's 
well, we'll we'll get those questions asked. One of the questions that was just up here was uh, from uh, D. Still. Uh, he's one of our co-hosts that's that's a little busy today. Like I said, saving the world. But um, he mentioned like, hey, would Roland ever consider doing an actual effects box like the four four, but just with no sequencer? That's a good question. <laughs> next, right. next question. So one that I have on the screen. <laughs> one that I have on the screen here about the customization. I think that is super dope because <laughs> so many years, like people, you go what? What is it? Style flip or something like that? You can go to style flip and choose a machine, and then you could get your um, whatever image you throw up there to put. You you get like a sticker. A, a whole sticker that you can come and put over whatever the machine is you chose. So it's it's, it's interesting that you all kind of baked that in to the SP four four MK two. How's that kind of happen? How'd that come about? Well, that's the SP scene and community is filled with people that totally trick out their SPs and <laughs> kind of reflect yep. their personality or their artistic interest or something like that. Like there there are people that have like beautiful SPs and then you see it in artwork too. People make this like fantastic art using the, the kind of SP image. Um, so clearly art is a really big interest to this customer in this community. Mm. Um, we wanted to maintain like an e you know, easy ability to take this, the faceplate off, uh, totally trick it out, put it back on. There's also some schematics on our website for you to kind of go and check out and kind of create your own faceplate um, or own faceplate kind of design. The uh, firmware stuff or the, the firmware based like screensaver startup logo, it was kind of, I think it was my idea or maybe it was Shirado, maybe it was like a birth between me and Shirado, but um, that was something that kind of like really ingrained that to the product and the, the, the katakana too, the, that, the Japanese kind of Roland that says Roland, um, that was kind of from the amount of Japanese artwork that the community had been kind of focusing on for, for years. And it's kind of an homage to that interest a little bit, mm. but all of that can be changed. Um, you can make your own really weird logos logos. I had one uh, image of like this really weird dog because I'm not an artist. I had a weird dog that I drew as my startup <laughs> thing. I tried to get that in the product video for Roland and they were like, can you take that out? Like, now? <laughs> Yo, that, that, that was one question I wanted to ask you too. How easy is it to get those like custom logos on that display screen at startup? Like, you know, uh, if I wanted to say, you know, Bryce or whatever, how, how difficult is that to, to do that? What, what does that entail? Uh, well, he's actually got it up right now on the screen share. It's on that website. So it'll walk you through step-by-step, step, you know, what to export that file as. It needs to be a BMP file. So if you have a program that exports a BMP file, yeah, there it is. Okay. Um, it needs to be a certain dimension. <laughs> and then you import it uh, from your SD card. So it's not something that you could do over USB. I think that's just the nature of that, where that feature lives on the unit needs to be accessed with an SD card. Um, I think it's that, that part's beyond my depth as to why you need an SD card, but that's uh, essentially the process is you load the images onto an SD and then you import it like you're importing a project. Gotcha. Gotcha. I can't um, wait to get mine. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Yo, one, one more, one more quick question. Um, uh, scales in chromatic mode. Do you see that as being something 
possible. I think if the, if the demand is strong for that, that's something that we could consider. Okay. Okay, mm -hmm. gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Hey, Corey, what was that that you brought up from Fess about the DJ mode? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's put that up there. Because I, I do want to know a lot more about DJ mode. Um, I, I've That's one thing that I haven't looked too deeply into, but I would love to, to hear more about DJ mode and, and what the concept behind that is. Yeah, that, that's a great question. The DJ mode was something that Shirado, my coworker, pioneered, and he's a, he's a DJ uh, out in Japan and works with this local record label, this Hamamatsu-based uh, record label called, I think, Interspecies Records. And they do shows, you know, when there's not a pandemic and everybody's quarantined. They normally do shows at like a kind of local sound bars and um, their music is awesome. And he really wanted to kind of address 404 customers that wanted to DJ with it. And that's a whole puzzle in my head as to how, how does that work in this format? How does DJing work? There's no faders. <laughs> there's no crossfader. But we uh, he created this really good system where you can kind of load in your full tracks and then... I don't know if you could tell on the images of the 404, but the, on the buttons, there are DJ controls now. Things like BPM, queuing, restart, sync. Um, it reflects what a normal DJ controller would look like. So you basically can get a two-channel DJ, uh, DJ mode with the Mark II and use the uh, control knobs to basically mimic what the faders would do on a, on a two-channel. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. I'm not a DJ, so I had to rely on him to kind of like pioneer that and push that forward, uh, and then also kind of rely on our DJ uh, internal DJ employees to tell us if it was fun or not. So, um, yeah. So I got another question. Um, the vinyl um, pitch uh, effect. It, it seems to be in percentage. Is there a way to make that semitones? I know there's a separate, I think, chromatic mode that does semitones. Um, I don't know if those are specifically different, but the uh, the vinyl, um, I know some people are asking about a semitone adjustment there rather than a, a percentage. That's a good question. The uh, the vinyl mode is in percentage. There's, there's not a current way to use vinyl with semitone display. Um, but if you change it, if you turn vinyl mode off, you do get the individual pitch and speed, and that's reflected in semitone. So you could kind of mimic it if you wanted to just by changing both the speed and the pitch, as if you were kind of in vinyl gotcha, mode. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's the same thing. It's going to have the same sound, pretty much, is what you're saying. It's going to have, like, mostly the same sound. It's going to be dependent on the user. If their, like, speed is a little bit off from what the okay. original would be, then you will get some a little bit of time stretching. So you just kind of have to, gotcha. I guess, use your ears to kind gotcha. of dial that in. I mean, that's a that's a good, I that's a, the, a good idea, though. You know, the vinyl mode pitch shifting. In uh, semitones, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another dope thing that you all did is it was always a SP404 app, right? I feel like I've used something and I don't remember if it was actually branded the 404 app, but that's how I would load like full songs to pads and then, you know, play those songs, just trigger them, like launching a, 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 a audio clip or whatever. Um, so now you have the new app, um, and does that bring any new functionality to, or is it more more of an advanced app? It's way more advanced than the, the <laughs> SX app. The wave converter was like super basic. 
-hmm. and there was no kind of like very limited <laughs> librarian functionality to yep. it. This is something that's way more like it makes sense. You just click and drag samples you want on the 404 into into you know whatever pad you want. You can also do things like import uh, standard uh, standard MIDI files if you have a beat that you made in Ableton oh, and you wanted to bring it into your 404 pattern sequencer. You could do that. Hmm. Um, wow, that's there's a lot of stuff with the, <laughs> with the app, yeah. and basically all the sample settings are available too. So if you don't want to if you want to use them in conjunction, like before before this podcast, I had just put in a couple of like sounds and samples, and I used the app to kind of dial in the levels and make sure everything was copacetic. But oh, and on that app too, you could you you can manipulate the samples and everything from there, right? Yeah, you can adjust the start and end point. You know, wow. if you wanted a bigger display, you could do that. Um, uh, my my preference is to use it just moving samples around. Like that's just it's it's such a simple thing but it's such a quality of life improvement you know so, and then is there are there any plans like chill asking are there any plans for ios companion eventually ported from the desktop version that's a great that is a great question and mm. something that we can consider cool yeah i'll say that me personally like i i feel like probably one of the main workflows that I envision with this thing is more taking it out of the studio and working with it away from the masses amount of gear and whatnot. Um, it, I can see it working with the modular in a really nice, uh, nice way. Do you use yours with your modular often? I see you have one back there. And um, what kind of workflows do you particularly find enjoyable with it? Oh, man. Um... I wonder if it is it like wired in right now. Oh yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, Time to make some mod bath. Oh. <laughs> okay. What are you talking about? Yo, he answered your question in the best possible way to <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I want to see. He's like, well, I don't know, Ken. Let's see. Let's see. Mod bath. Oh. No, it's a, this is this could also be a tape deck to just record ideas. So in Man. some ways, like this has replaced my Zoom H4n, which I used to have like next to my modular at all times. I keep mine like, by mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's super useful, but this makes it applicable to like music making. I yeah. can like sample something, then immediately start working with an idea. Nice. Um, and I don't have to like transfer from the zoom to my computer and then do the editing and then bring it back into a sampler that just doesn't make sense so as just like a kind of a tape deck that you can then seamlessly transition to a you know a, a, a sampler that's that's great um yeah that's I, I would say it's like that for that and then also for just effects too i've been trying to use this as like a in between effects box from my modular into this into my tr8s trying to use it in different scenarios i mean everybody's got their own specific way they like to use this thing so absolutely so quick question what does daw export look like so if i wanted to get everything i'm working on in my project over to my daw um i imagine connected usb it shows up as a drive on my computer is that and just drag stuff in or is there anything more to that you can do it straight from straight from the app if it's rendered as audio, oh, cool. that's the thing. Like it's if you'd have to kind of like if it's a pattern, you need to record it somehow. Right. Whether it's going into your DAW manually, um, this is class compliant, so you can literally use anything. Um, but if it's audio, it'll just show up in the app, and then you just click and drag it out, 
or oh, export nice. it, and then it then it's you there. have it. Yeah. So you could resample your your master output and um and then essentially drag that over if you really wanted. Yep. Oh, that's what's the what's the maximum sample time that you can do these sorts of things with? Is it divided? It's sixteen minutes. Yep. Yeah, Bryce is right. And that can be divided in any which way, or oh, it's sixteen minutes of just like one sample pad, one recording. Yeah. Seamless recording could be up to sixteen minutes, and then gotcha. you can just keep doing that until the the hard drive runs out. You know. Mm. Awesome. That is super awesome, actually. Yeah, Them that's, that's one minute thing samples. that's like the old <laughs> ones. I mean, on paper they have that SD card streaming capability. Um, and so that leads to, you know, you can use it, you can basically have like, I think, was it hours or something of sampling? I don't know. There's some sort of, uh, there's some sort of metric that has a lot of sample memory for the old models, but you're not really able to do that with the EMMC memory that's in it because the EMMC, it's just wired differently. It's way faster on this. Uh, but that's the only thing it sacrifices is it, it doesn't have like infinite almost infinite amount of sample time but would you want that though like the practicality of that experience yeah. i'm not really sure what that <laughs> yeah, is yeah. beyond 16 minutes like that's a long time so you that's know. one of those things though right like that's one of those things like scope creep and feature creep when you start yep. like yeah just because we can do it is it practical for this right piece that we're working on this yes. i thought was a good question somebody uh mentioned that you know the older 4.4 is 44.1 sample rate, while the new one is 48. Will there be any sort of discrepancies loading old uh, sessions into the new uh, MK2? Do we so know that? The, the app will convert okay. old product uh, old projects from from uh, the SX into this format. So hmm. it's going to sound basically the same. <laughs> and excuse me, um, that's. It converts it. I mean, you're conf you're kind of upsampling, but once it's it's been forty four one, so you're not getting anything new. You know what I yeah. mean? When you when you upsample to forty eight, but it does it does convert it seamlessly through the app. Dope. So, so yo, yo just this, this thing up here where somebody uh, okay, they said one and two, but I, I like that they said Bryce, is you on your job or what? You've been on Reddit. <laughs> like I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. There's so many questions, man. There's so many questions on Reddit. I'm like, man, I don't want to. I don't want to bombard. I don't want to just go crazy. I do. You know what I, mean? I want to bombard. <laughs> I don't, don't want to bombard Peter. Man. I'm so happy Come to be on. on the other side of this, okay. asking him okay, questions. So, all right, all right. Let, let's do it then. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, one, real quick. Okay. So, I got one here that I was actually wondering: uh, recordable pad mutes, or you know, pad mutes in the sequencer. Is that something that you see, could see happening? What's something we can consider? Okay. Yeah, my, I, that's, my answers that's what, are going to be pretty limited. I know <laughs> that's what I, that's what I was thinking. I mean, like I feel like people have to verbalize these, you know, desires that they have to mm -hmm. roll in. Well, I got a question. Actually, as far how would as they that. do that though? How would they like get that information to you guys to let them know? Hey, this is something yeah. What's the best route to 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 get give that you this you information guys? in a way that isn't like just filing in that circle filing cabinet on the floor um, i mean we we have a lot of avenues now that we have like facebook and for internet forums and different mechanisms to kind of list ideas but also list ideas together um facebook groups work really well just in general even though i hate facebook but you know yeah. the the 
form aspect and the group aspect, they have good mechanics to do polls and do things like ways to have to show collective interest in, in right. something. And that's right. makes our job easier too, because we can yeah. just point to one thing and say, Hey, this there's like 500 people, people that yeah. want recordable mutes on the sequencer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right. Right. That type of thing. Does so the class compliant, eventually. does the class compliant aspect allow you to have more inputs or no? Is it just, is it still just two inputs or what? Oh, audio in. Basically. Yeah. Like when you're bringing audio in. Yeah. So like if I, if I plug into an interface that has maybe four to six inputs, can I possibly be deciding Streaming what I'm all getting that from? I think so. That's a good yeah. question, actually. I think so. <laughs> okay. I would think so. I, I have I haven't pulled up the manual yet, so you know that this is something that maybe is possibly covered I think in the it's manual. Two I don't know. In it's two in, but four out for okay. some. I th for like a queue out or something. For the queue out, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but okay. I think that's that's what you're getting with the class compliance stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking in terms of like, well, if I can do 16 minute sample. Like if I have that much sample time, I'm like, man, there that opens up the avenue for like a lot of things, like recording a live set to it and that sort of thing, you know. Yeah. So Bryce, I'm gonna, <clears throat> I'm gonna have to have you when you when you get your your MK2. I feel like this question is the perfect one for you to be first to oh, try, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, because I don't yeah. think we have heard much about the guitar amp simulators, um, and yeah, that's a dope inclusion. Yeah, it is. It is actually. It's on the on the inputs only, and that's another thing I was wondering. Do you do you uh, anticipate a lot of people wanting those input only effects added to the internal effects? Is that something you guys are, have thought about, or or why it's only input only and not allowable on the others? Well, the those effects are really geared towards performers. And mm -hmm. when we look at people like, um, uh, I think a, one of the one of the women that's on our uh, marketing um, marketing kind of slideshow things, Abel tries her best. She's a she's a singer and she routes her voice into straight into this, and that requires like we want to make effects that are tailored towards people that are using it for a mic that are singing, but also for guitarists. Um, this one guy that I talked to on Instagram a bunch. Uh, I think his name is Metric Metric something. He uses a guitar, plays this amazing stuff straight through a four, an old 404 SX. So I thought like we could probably improve this scenario as well. Um, so they're really meant for just like input effects. Hypothetically, if you had a dry guitar as a sample pad, then you would probably be wanting. That's kind of my effects. thought process. That and also like crunching up drums. I love sen sending drums through guitar amps. Yeah. I mean, okay, we got a so, lot of crunchy stuff in there already. Another, yeah, another, sure. another, a lot of crunch, man. Another question real quick. So, um, Never I enough a, crunch. I have an MPD-218 uh, here, you know, to play MIDI notes and stuff like that. Can the uh, SP404 Mark II basically replace that? Would it be able to send, uh, you know, note values to Ableton if I wanted to get rid of that? Is it basically a 16-note or a 17-note um you know, can it replace this? Is is yeah. the MIDI the MIDI aspects of it, Absolutely. Uh, and do the knobs yeah, send CC values? Uh, the the pads currently send note data on um, different. Each bank is a different MIDI channel, okay. so that's super useful. Um, the uh, note data sends 
and the no the knob CC data, I don't think it's currently implemented. There's no okay. MIDI connection with the with the knobs, not at this moment. Okay, so knobs don't function with CC at all right now. Correct. Okay. So we got a couple of questions in the in the chat about shipping dates and when things are going to arrive, and that's probably one of those inevitable sort of questions. So I know pre-orders are available now. Do we have an idea of when the, the device is going to ship? And I'm not trying to back you into a corner because I know that stuff can get sticky, but you know, if you have any idea, they probably want you to share. It's come up like at least 11 million times. In the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, I can, I can say we're hoping that they arrive most places by the end of November. There's nice. a lot of stuff going on nice. in the supply chain, not just in music, but in all sorts of industries that yep. might throw some wrenches in there, but that's our goal, or at least our ideal is end of November. That's what's currently kind of in our schedule. If everything goes without incident, uh, hopefully a barge doesn't get stuck in the Suez Canal. Or it can just be offloaded at this point, because I mean, that's that seems to be the biggest issue right now is just getting ships offloaded. Yeah, because yeah. they're just sitting in port. We're just being yeah, I, don't, I don't I don't know if you saw that Peter there's a guy on Reddit that actually in Canada he he already got his unit like yesterday so in in Canada he's already one of the lucky units. ones man yeah yeah that's <laughs> yep. yeah it so, hit Canada um, first I'm pretty sure I, I'm okay. pretty sure just through you know whatever the shipping logistics Canada was the first was the first okay okay yeah. gotcha gotcha um one guy asks here uh possibility to layer more um instead of just two layers, multiple layers up to 16, which, I mean, I think that's kind of crazy, but you know, so you could speak to that. Um, adding yeah. more layers. Is that a we've possibility? Got, we've, you could do that. I will, we have pad link. Well, pa let's, let's how, how many pads can you link? So if we go to pad link, you can link in different groups. So groups uh -huh. a through J. So if I select a, and then I want to link, I can go up to four. Okay, so, so anything four. beyond that, you'd want to resample, resample. right? And then yep. you can kind of compre compress it down that way. Got it. Got it. Okay. That's useful for the skip back too. Like you can just you could actually do it pretty quickly if you just use skip use back. Use skip back. Yeah. 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 That skip back feature is incredible. Yep. That's that's crazy. That was a that was a kind of later idea that we had towards the end of this like you know the first round of development. Skip back then got brought up and. Sherado and I were freaking out at the idea, and then they, he was able to implement it in a really kind of novel and, and uh, convenient way. And it turns out to be like one of the main things that people talked about was this like kind of time machine <laughs> for your music. It is kind of dope. I mean, just for the it's kind of like a callback to the Phantom, and and you know some other rolling products from from back in the day could could do that. And it was you know it's it's nice to see that return. You know, yeah, it's I mean, I mean on, the, on the Phantom, <laughs> on the Phantom, it wasn't really like. I don't think it was like sexy on the Phantom, but it was cool. And then it kind of went away. But for beat makers, this is awesome because you could just do some really something really cool. And then if you're not recording, it's gone. But with skip back, it's like, oh, yeah, no worries. Still <laughs> so there's been a lot of times that probably a lot of people like this when I'm messing around on the pads and and it, oh, that was a dope sort of way to arrange that job or play that melody and then you got to remember how you played it <laughs> and it may, it may only take a few more seconds or another minute or two but if you just hit the skip back now you got it already so um, here, here oh yeah. i'm sorry go ahead 
Oh, I was going to just say, skip back for me. It's useful for the mu- capturing a musical idea, but it totally replaces resampling uh, different sounds with different effects. So I could just put reverb on a snare, play it. It's already been recorded. I don't need to hit resample and do that whole thing. Um, it doesn't make resampling redundant, though. Resampling has its own set of tools, like a metronome now right. you can use while resampling. I heard stories of people that recorded a metronome for from their phone onto a pad on the old 404 <laughs> just to have one for their resampling flow. So and you're that's... saying 404 kids, they like agree <laughs> with the workarounds. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Those are the types of people that were, were building this for me. Yep. <laughs> like... Exactly. Yeah. Uh, another question real quick. Um, there doesn't seem to be a way to sidechain. Do you guys uh, plan on doing anything like sidechain with the buses, with bus effects and stuff like that? That's that's a great idea. I mean, the not it's kind of like that weird balance of, you know, people achieved side chain through yeah. over compression. And yep. that's what makes the sound good on yep. so many SP things. So yep. do we want to interfere with that? I'm not, you know, I'm a little bit conservative when it comes to like that type of decision. Yeah, but that's like a classic workflow kind of thing. Right it's there. a classic workflow. Like that's the yeah. sound is you just compress everything and then you, right. pu- you know, put the kick really high yep. and then it, uh, and then it just side chains itself. Um, we do have envelopes on this though. Uh, so you could have basically a faux side chain. If you were really looking for something deliberate, you can use the envelope to kind of shape the things that you want side chained and do kind of a mock side chain thing. I promise nobody will tell the difference if you're listening to it in the club. You know, that's also kind of one of those things, too, like with the side chain. If that's the way the side chain is done, it's kind of like one of those stripes of being a user. You come to know that trick. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and, yeah. and you're really a part of the, the, the SP404 gang at that point. Uh, here's another question. Will you be able to chop more than 16 chops to one bank? You got 16 pads. It's, Oh, you're muted. You just you're, yeah, you just went you're mute. muted. You're muted. Sorry, you have 16 pads already. So the question is, you want to chop more than 16? Like, how does that work? Like, you yeah, I don't change know. the bank really quick, and then you do that. <laughs> no. I mean, maybe I, save, it's a, maybe it's saving an interesting idea. Maybe saving the first 16 to one bank, and then the you know, if you do 32, the second 16 to oh, it just takes the next available kind of deal. Okay, I can see that being maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's that that's certainly something to consider. And we can like we have mechanisms to test some of these things. But if it's not fun, or if it doesn't feel good, it's going to work in it. It's it's well, if it, it takes it you at a disadvantage. Where you're all of a sudden doing all these extra steps to achieve. Right. Get, getting back to a little bit about what the unit actually is, as opposed to what it might be later on. <laughs> <laughs> I just because I, I still feel like there's so much there, like right now, that we should probably talk about. Um, yeah, so well, hold on, you know what's funny is I was watching, I think I was watching a DBIC thing, and he was uh, he has DB flips, like his little episode, his yep. episode that he's doing, and yeah. somebody in the comments was like, "Yo, you know what'd be interesting is the uh, OP two. That'll be interesting if they're working on it." And I was just thinking like. So what's interesting about it if we don't even know if they're working on it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's easy. It's easy to talk about what we want, but what I yeah. want to know is like what what's in there right now that makes you go wow? You know what yeah. I mean? Like what, what what's in yeah, there right yeah, now yeah. that like you're like yeah, you know what? People are gonna use this in a certain way, and then a a new workflow is gonna evolve from this aspect of this new feature that we have in here. Uh, 
you know, w- with the DJ mode and with uh, everything else, I I just keep looking at it like, man, there's a lot to explore for what there is right now. Let me let me ask you about the development though, uh, and some of the uh, the scary parts of development. When this was getting close to shipment date, right? Um, how much how much nail biting was there at towards the end, or was the development for 1.0 like really already locked in place for a, a good minute? Because I know that some products that can be like really up to the to the the final moments, you know. Um, and, and sometimes even beyond with, you know, you need to have that day one update and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, can you talk a little bit about the development cycle as far as um, timeline and that sort of thing? Um, yes. The We were pretty confident about it going into the, what we call PIDD date, the, you know, announcement day. Sherado ran his team like clockwork. So we had most of the things that we wanted kind of like really early in or maybe just a hand few of things for like a day one update type of thing. But, uh, for the most part, we were, we were com- confident with the firmware and like the product itself. Most of the nail biting comes in through like marketing and like sure videos come in and they're saying the wrong thing or they're, you know, got the specs wrong. And then we freak out because like, you know, 300,000 people are going to think it has like 10 seconds to skip back and beside it, not 25. And it's like, it's a big deal because it's like, yep. you know, that stuff's going to reach people and you want people to know what the info is. Right. And as much as interesting as I might be, people will probably prefer to watch like, you know, professional YouTubers that are like, <laughs> you know, ha- have the personality to kind of captivate people. So that's, it's, that's kind of where the nail money comes in. It's making sure everybody's like, saying the right thing and leaking <laughs> well yeah so so this did get leaked um can, can yeah. you talk a little bit about that about how the, there was a, there was a leak before official announcement uh that, that was pretty it, much like an accident i, I would assume it, <laughs> uh, speaking conservatively because i don't know i don't know how i don't know how much of this i can talk about i mean it, it happened so like it we there's actually two leaks. The first one didn't catch. No, sorry. There were three leaks. Wow. The first one three didn't leaks. catch. The second one didn't catch either. The Sam Ash one was the one. And then that the Sam up. Ash one was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to bypass a Sam Ash posting. <laughs> but the, uh, by the way, so- I don't know if you realize it, Peter, but you just mentioned the name of me and Bryce and Ken's new group called three leaks. So <laughs> Proceed. No, no. <laughs> I honor my NDAs. Don't put me in that group. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's oh, nice. I don't want no parts <laughs> of that. We don't. Be, actually, you know what? When we see leaks, the because I mean, I think people that watch Be People podcast know that we on this podcast are really good friends. It's not just like some stuff we do together, like right. Yeah. We are really good friends, and we talk pretty much daily. I think if if, if a day goes by and one of us doesn't say anything it's probably gonna be like yo's dude all right (laughs) (laughs) where's steel at what's he doing we tend to talk about like when leaks happen we like like damn (laughs) why'd they do that now there will be some times like well that's interesting but at the same time from a perspective of what we do we're always like yo that's like the ultimate foul (laughs) you know what i mean it's it it's I mean, from a business perspective, and I don't know if this makes me seem like the man a little bit, but it is damaging when a leak happens because there's a lot of effort and investment into 
announcing something in a very specific way and depending on the type of leak is more destructive than others mm. the sam ash i mean the silver lining is that they like had everything on there they were like here's <laughs> yeah. everything yep. about this product <laughs> so far as people thought it was like a, a hoax or a they fake did. like yeah they, i saw that i saw a lot of people like oh. sam ash yep. in like a new 404 uh, which maybe that's a good sign if they think it's too good to be true. That's yeah, it. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like that's kind of what people would think. Like, there's no way that it's like that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think in a lot of ways, it kind of got people's juices flowing. They were like, man, is this real? Like, you know, and, and the wheels got turning. I, I know it was about two weeks before you guys announced yeah. that that leaked happened. It was you know, it was so. a weird two weeks for for sure. Some guy was like, that photo is completely Photoshop. And he lists like, Oh, you all the reasons why we're blurring right here and the lighting's not realistic and like oh like he's got he's circles. blowing it up the circle and stuff in red like look that's totally it is one of those things where it's like it, it can it can feel kind of painful just because it's like you work so hard to be like listen everybody keep to yourselves like don't share this don't share and i know for a fact that like certain artists had this thing for five six months ahead of time um and didn't didn't leak so which is great because it's usually it's like a lot of the times it'll be you, you get it out to artists to get some help and then one artist is a little bit looser than another and then next thing you know it's like oh well i heard from a guy who happens to know a guy who you know yeah and then it's you know and usually those things are, are pretty not that big of a deal on a forum as much but the fact that it stayed this quiet for this long for that big of a product was still pretty pretty awesome because it was only like what like a week or two yeah so, yeah two weeks yeah. yeah that's not bad well let me ask though that that kind of accelerate the 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 um release date like because i feel like sometimes these leaks happen and then people are like well yo it's gotten out of hand let's go we're, we're good at this point let's just go yeah let's just do it well we're we're we kept everything the same we're, we're not that fast but there was some kind of concepts that we were pitching like okay how do we how do we do this but in some ways like sometimes spot a uh, silence is like the best method and then you kind of like do what it is that you originally planned to do people are paying attention at that point um so we 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 kept kind of basically our original plan for the most part go can you speak a little bit on the like custom faceplates like how do you guys see that like uh are you guys going to do stuff uh from roland or you know is that third party stuff basically mostly or um i you know it's a that's a delicate thing because i don't want to like encroach on third party people doing novel and interesting 404 faceplate stuff um you know we also would require some sort of like like how many sales do we expect from a custom faceplate? Unless we're doing a kind of a special marketing thing. So I can imagine us doing like, hey, for Knobcon, you have there's ten faceplates here that we got made locally from a local artist. Or if there's gotcha. like some kind of cool contest, that's kind of how I see us doing it. Is more from a marketing thing, gotcha, like as prizes gotcha. or something like that. I don't Dude, know. If I, we would... I think what what would be really dope is that there are some users of the 404 that are so prolific and so synonymous with the use of the 404. It would be dope to be able to lift those guys up. No joke. With no joke. Special editions. Super dope. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and yeah. that kind of stuff is just really dope, and it it really shows because you all you you all are already entrenched in the 
in the community, community. and I don't have to name who those folks would be because you already know. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? We mentioned several of them on the show here today, but that kind of stuff I think would be super dope. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah we've 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 been taught like I can't say anything now, but we have started some conversations around something like this. Dope. That I'm hoping dope. continue and we're able to do something. Dope. Yeah, it would be really dope. Uh, you, did you have anything else from from Reddit real quick? I'm just being careful because I I don't want Reddit to come after me. I know. I mean, Ken talked and and that that should have been my Reddit question. <laughs> Man, okay. So let let me oh, go ahead. You guys you guys talk amongst yourselves. I'll, well, I'll, let's let's kind of dial back to the build quality for a second, um, because I haven't had it in my hands, and you know I don't want to get it and then cry. Because uh, I do have a JDXA, and, you know, I cry sometimes when I touch it. But it has some harsh awesome effects in it. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the build quality on it, man. Um, what is the housing made of? Is it is it a metal housing? And then talk to us about the knob selection and all that good stuff. Like the okay. actual build choices that went into it. Um, that, that, that was super interesting because I got to look at all these metal treatments one day just saying, oh, this is brushed and this is stippled and this is like this other process. Um, we went back and forth with the design on this. We, we were looking at some crazy futuristic looking things like white in like a sphere, kind of like a something that looks from like that movie. Um, I don't know. Oblivion with Tom Cruise. Is that what it's called? What's that <laughs> Tom Cruise movie? Anyway, um, <laughs> But uh, we settled on something that was like kind of both classic and futuristic. It's got the metal top. Uh, it's got beefier knobs because we saw plenty of people tricking out their SXs and um, their own SPs with thicker knobs. So that gave us a good indication as to like, okay, people probably want something that's a little bit more uh, substantial. Uh, the value knob is probably the, one of the more interesting and kind of different approaches to a 404. This feels great. It's um, notched, so it's really easy to edit stuff precisely, and it's a push encoder as well. Uh, the bottom part is like hardened plastic, and when you put the batteries in it, it feels like really, really solid. When the batteries are out, it's a little bit lighter than the original 404. Um, and aside from that, sorry, I got it like all kind of dialed in here, but it's got a Kensington lock. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got it's got uh, MIDI in and out as you well. Got that. So, <laughs> Kensington lock. <laughs> it's got that Kensington lock, man. That's right. Like, like, like an office desk. That's the best way to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it. I think it's got a, a great build. Um, I'm really happy that we were able to get everything together for a price point that was like nice for folks. I don't think anybody was expecting it to be. The price that it's that it's set yeah. to. Yeah, for all that you all included at that price point is kind of impressive. I mean, not even kind of impressive. It's pretty damn impressive. It it, it almost makes it a no brainer. You know what I mean? One of the first things I said to the crew when we talked about it was like, "Yo, with this thing, that thing, this thing, all these features that that we were kind of rattling off, and then it's at five hundred dollars." I said, "Listen, if you are a person that ever used an SP in your setup or." ever liked an SP or even ever thought one day I'll get an SP like that makes it a no brainer with all this feature set 
and then five hundred dollars <laughs> like that kind of makes it a no-brainer almost people people were estimating when we did have those kind of early, early interviews um between like six hundred and a thousand dollars and I, and that was surprising and probably a good sign to kind of like to have it's not the opposite we've had the opposite for some products and, and people that are like oh is this like 500 bucks and it's like no it's you know uh, way more than that but um this was one of the priorities was to make it affordable for most people yeah. so that they could easily purchase it it's like yep. in the realm of possibility for a lot of folks um and i'm sure the used market for sps are it's going to do some crazy thing so <laughs> it'll be easy to finance one Hey, I do have a question about, uh, so Chris had brought up the question about the, how did you come to the TRS MIDI, uh, solution, but I have a little bit further to go on that one. What I read was that it does not include the adapters with it when you buy it, right? The TRS MIDI adapters, what standard does it use and how are you providing them? And can you possibly switch between standards? Because I know that the finalized MIDI standard is not what Arturia did. But Arturia is like the vast majority of the adapters that I have. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, we use Type A. Uh, they're calling it Type A. It's whatever that uh, the MIDI Association mm -hmm. website has for this format, and that's that's what we do. Uh, I believe it's what other like. I want to say Make Noise maybe and um, who else did that one? I forget who else it is. Maybe Polly yeah. Bebo as well. I think did Type A. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's definitely a bunch of people, but I know there's that discrepancy, and we need to all get on the same page, people. If you're listening, oh, I agree. Please use. I, type I thoroughly, <laughs> I thoroughly agree. Unfortunately, there's just a lot of those adapters that are already out there that are, you yeah. know, quote, incorrect. So now, you know, they weren't incorrect at the time because there just wasn't a standard. But, um, yeah. So so there's no like firmware to like switch which which version you're using or anything like that in there. Like there's no option. Right. No, I mean, I, th it's, there's, there's no current option and I don't even okay. know if that's possible. That's something I'd have to ask, uh, Shirado and, and the folks in Japan, but, um, we boss makes the correct adapter. So if you were sure. looking for a Roland solution, you could go to the boss's adapter, uh, okay. and use that. Um, the Those... reasoning, the reasoning behind it purely is space mm -hmm. because they're the, we went for quarter inch and we wanted to use a USB as well. There's a, that back panel is quite full. Yeah. So we didn't want to just have um, MIDI uh, in was the original, I think, right? The SX only had like a MIDI, one MIDI port, MIDI in port. Yep. Uh, we wanted to have both because this is what a modern product needs. Um, shoot, I, I just got sidetracked reading the chat. <laughs> So I, I, just wanted to, I, just, I just wanted to reiterate um, a, a couple people that asked this question, just the that fi fixed length recording. Um, so just to like kind of reiterate what that is, it's just being able to set a specific bar length when you resample or when you record in, just having that capture that specific bar length according to the project tempo. So just wanted to kind of reiterate that. Um, yeah, yeah. That. Heads up there. they'll probably recognize it. I mean, I think that has, but but like the looper on the MPC and the force kind of have, you could set a bar, yeah. two bars, and then when you hit sample, 
it'll only mm. sample two bars of two it. Bars. It'll be quantized too in most cases where it'll start at the beginning of you know whatever that count is. It won't just start anywhere. Like you you could literally hit it at it and it'll wait for the beginning of the bar, start recording, yep. and stop at two bars, and then that exactly. way you have a perfect loop without you know needing um, to set start and end points and all that stuff. Right. Yep. So that that seems like a, a huge um, a huge one on here on, on Reddit. So definitely, no, I, I, I completely understand the, um, the, the idea behind it. And that's something that I could see being feasible for something like this. Nice. Nice. What sort of MIDI are you guys doing with it, with those ports on there? Um, and I assume you can also take in MIDI over the, um, the USB as well. Um, right. We do, you can do MIDI over USB. And so you can use it as you could use it as a sequencer or it can be sequenced by something. Mm. That's essentially like the kind of that or it's just a MIDI through if you want to incorporate it into a larger setup. The effects on here tempo sync or yep. a lot of them do. So that's also really useful, especially when I have like my drum machine and my modular kind of all doing tempo based stuff. I kind of need that. Um, so that's really helpful. And that's kind of how I have it uh, hooked up. Even When's, if I wanted to uh, use it SBX one or something with my modular without the TR eight S, I need a way to kind of have this dialed into the same tempo, or I'll just manually set the project tempo and just do it by ear. I've also done that, but um, the MIDI is really useful for that kind of like setting it up in an ensemble. So when we were talking about um, those input effects and you were talking about the guitar amp stuff, is that stuff coming directly from like the GT 1000 or like coming from other like boss products or um, like, where are you selecting effects from as you're pulling them into the, this product? That's a good question. I, I kind of think the MC might have a similar GT, mm. uh, sorry, uh, guitar simulator. And I know the, body of engineers a lot of them have shared experience with boss and at roland so it, these effects are really dependent on like the expertise of the person making it sure so if they have that background they're going to bring their skill and their experience to kind of do something with that i can't say for sure if this specific effect is borrowed wholesale from a boss product um, it's really just dependent on like whoever was working on it at that time sure sure so this one's kind of a no-brainer for me um the sequencer uh, basically has overdub, right? So you could record, you know, play your kick pattern, uh, you know, and then stop record and then go back in, record again and play your hi-hat pattern. It has yes. that ability. Okay. okay. Yeah, just to clear that up. Someone asked that on um, on Reddit too, so. Yeah, the you can overdub. I saw, I think it was Accurate Beats did, I don't know if people do this, but he hard quantized like downbeats or like, one and three or like one on every measure and then turned off quantize for like the rest of his playing. Mm. And I was like, Oh yeah, I do that. That makes a yeah. lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. I do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and depending I'm on new man, I'm you can, you can fully adjust what your quantize is at. Right. Like, so usually what I'll do on a lot of my, my machines is I'll set my quantize to a really low resolution and put those hard notes in. And then you go up to a higher resolution for the sloppier or, you know, more fine yeah, resolution. More loose. Things. Yeah. 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 Right. We do. Yeah. We have, you can set the strength and you can set the grid or you can set like shuffle amount and that can all be done while the sequencer is playing. Mm. So you don't have to stop it and then like reset it and then kind of play it again. So, um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't mean to. Oh no, it's. I mean, it's great for layering, as you said. Overdubbing. That's. It's a super, super useful tool to have. So I know the PPQN is 480 with the you know no quantize. The resolution's 480. Uh, what's the maximum quantize? Because I know uh, there was a guy on Reddit kind of um, romanticizing the uh, old school um, kind of drum machines with the 96 uh, PPQN. So. What's the maximum uh, resolution for the for the quant quantized? Uh, so, what, and what he's meaning is really, what can you set it to? Like manually, what can you set the max? Like, can you go up to like two fifty six triplets and that sort right. of right that kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, I think I understand what you're saying. Like, what's the because the we have so like one sixty fourth triplet would be ninety six ppq. Um, Wait, am I right on that? Yes. And then 960 would be 256 triplets. Um, if, yeah. Well, the grid goes up until, let's see. You turn the grid off, and then you can turn right. it to, it goes from quarter notes, four right. triplets, eight, eight triplets, 16, 16 triplets, 32, or 32. off. And then okay, between off. that, you have a percentage of zero to 100. So that okay. can just quantize okay. it or nudge it to, gotcha. you know, strength, gotcha. essentially. Gotcha. Okay. I feel like, I feel like Bryce is feeling that, that Reddit pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. He's like, he's like I'm, I'm going to get death threats. I'm not coming to Reddit no more. I am. <laughs> I am. A, lot, a lot of this stuff, I feel like you touched on. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of it is people just – Rewording their, their, the same question. Yeah, yeah. And, and that and expressing their desire for these features. You know, he mentioned that, you know, just being vocal about what you want, you know, um, to Roland is, is a big part of this too. So, yeah, side being chain. Vocal, just say it, like put it, put it somewhere where we can find it, you know, whether that's on forums or in groups. Uh, I know Discord, we're trying to get a little bit more active on Discord. Um, we've got a couple people, myself included, that have, you know, gone into SP Discord groups and have talked to people directly. Um, that's really helpful. We're trying to be a little bit more kind of like transparent and organic like that. Um, but it's also really helpful to use like something like Facebook or something like Gearspace to really kind of talk about and dialogue. And so we can see how many people are actually like invested in this type of idea. How many people is it going to help? Um, we we want to do everything, but it's kind of like it can be really difficult to, to be a company trying to track across 75 different platforms. What everyone's saying, though, especially when it's a group of like maybe three people looking at this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so. we're we're a big we're a big company, but the teams that are like focused on products are not big. We're analogous to kind of like a more small independent developer, you know, that might have like. 12 people or something like that. And a lot of those are engineers. They're focused on engineering. And then, you know, it's basically up to me and a couple other people to do that outreach and to talk to people or kind of look at stuff. So, you know, as long as it's, we're able to find it somewhere easily, um, please, you know, don't be silent. Just let us know kind of what your thoughts and feelings are on it, especially after you get it. Please, please wait until after you purchase it or after you've like seen a lot of info to kind of figure out, oh, it, maybe it does do this. And then, and then so like, here's one of the things I wanted to talk about is we already talked about how to 
sequence has improved. And I, I have uh, Marcus K says, I hear that the sequencer isn't a strong point at all. And I think that's probably more of a, a statement about past SP404s because maybe it's yeah. also because most people have shared how they do the resample method. And if right. you come from a, a more regimented sort of MPC uh, background, and full disclaimer, this is my my like my brother, Marcus K. He taught me how to use an MPC, right? That's my man, Trust. As oh, well. dope, dope. Uh, so the the I think that there's a, a a connotation that you know the sequencer isn't good. It, it maybe it's not everyone's like cup of tea. But if you come from a background that's like the MPC and that sort of thing, you're used to a certain like way of programming. And I think when people started getting onto the SP four four, they started realizing like, oh well, okay, we're gonna do this workaround with the the resample stuff but you still have that resample vibe in there but I, I feel like one of the things that you all tried to do with this is really raise the level of the sequencer so Absolutely. that people can kind of really feel like they have a more uh seasoned sort of sequence and a, a sequence that has matured over time yo and let me jump in here real quick real quick before he gets to that the old sequencer you couldn't resample it so that's huge whatever you did in that sequencer you could not resample to a pad and further develop whatever your idea was. Not only that, but you could only have four samples playing at any time. If you did any more than that, they would start to cut each other out. So, and 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 if you get into stereo samples, you could only have two. Yeah, what's the polyphony on it now? 32. 32. Okay, yeah. So that's that's huge. That's, that's yeah, that's like, plenty. You know, that's yeah. So the sequencer automatically gets opened up based on that right there alone. You have thirty-two pads that you can you know, or thirty-two you know notes you can play. It, it, I don't know if it does it um, you know stereo if it you know reduces it to sixteen like the old um, uh, SP, but that's plenty. You know, so just that right there alone makes the sequencer phenomenally better. Not only that, but 480 ppq forget it man it, you you can do whatever you want you know yeah that's a good it's a that's a good point i mean the so the sequencer on an sp what we started with was incredibly basic and what our focus was was to take all the stuff that like is convenient for people like the quantize the high resolution sequencing the ability to easily kind of like crop patterns duplicate patterns quality of life things that are a little bit like more focused and conservative, but like make it kind of like usable in a, in a more modern context. And that's what makes this fit this format too. I mean, there's, there's things like, you know, I have this phantom it has a touchscreen and there's other sampler products that have big touchscreens that can take advantage of certain verbs, certain things with a sequencer. And that's great for that product. But I think this, this product is, maybe not so much like not you shouldn't look to this product as being your main sequencer by any means this is something that's more for like generating ideas and like being more creative about using audio and the sampler makes it more easy to do that because you can resample now you can s sequence your ideas very quickly and easily and then immediately resample them to do some creative audio effects. Absolutely. And that exactly. kind of that's, that that to me is what says like, that's why you get like an SP 404 versus getting an MPC versus getting a force versus getting a live versus getting a machine, whatever. It's like, 
You know, like a lot, I, I feel like the tendency a lot of the times is people see products that are, can do some similar things and then they try to force them to all be the same. Almost like what happened with dolls where like so many dolls just became the same thing, just organized in different ways. And you're just like, yeah, but what's the fun in that? Like, give me something a little with a little bit of character so that I can then explore it. And I'd also like to say, Peter, I think your, your answer was spot on to that, but I would beg to differ on it's not maybe maybe that's not the intention of it for it to be somebody's main sequencer but for real for real i know people that only have a sp404 and get hella more busy than anybody that has twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff it's it's on the user and your kind of use case and you know what i mean right yeah. exactly and you know verbiage is the key here because we're talking about sequencing but this could by all means, be your main like music production piece. Absolutely, like, this is Absolutely. Like, the gear that you use. Yep, yeah, okay. for, sure. for sure. So yeah, I think um, yeah, I could probably we could probably talk about this stuff all day, but we yeah. try to do as close to an hour as we can, and we have done closer to two hours at this point. <laughs> we got him captive. Yeah, no. Yo, I just want to say to my people on Reddit, man. You know, I did what I could. I'm sorry. I did what I could. I did what I could. I feel like that look was the same look that like Magic Johnson. Was That's all right. The internet doesn't appreciate people anyway. So. Yo, Peter, I just want to say, man, shout out to you for connecting with the community and just really going in on this, man. You really did a great job on a congrats. Too. Yeah, for real. That, man. Well, congrats, man. This is yeah. Okay. And and also, I want to say, we're rolling to still be doing a, a refreshed version of this device that has been around for so many years when other things would be retired and lots of things have come and gone. Uh, it's dope to see that you all said, you know what? We want to put the SmackDown on the 404 now. Man, <laughs> man. yep, for sure. Thanks, and congrats guys. to the whole team that you worked with. You know, I, I know it's a team effort and, and yeah, well, I'll, like I said, I mean, like I don't often plunk down cash right away when I see something. So, you know, I just say yeah. kudos to the whole team. Thank so, you. so just to kind of tie things up, uh, I know, well, is, is it safe to assume there are more effects coming through firmware updates? I, I think you kind of alluded to it in your video. You said we're launching with, these oh, effects yeah, time, Bryce. what did yeah. you say to to yeah. what was it to launch we're starting with this yeah. something that almost alluded to like yeah it's like oh there's more coming many but you never yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of thing Ver Ver verbiage is key we're launching <laughs> with these this amount of effects ah, so. look into the go. matrix people <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> no doubt well, thanks, thank you coming by i want to thank everybody in the chat uh for being a part of the, the conversation and yo looking forward to doing this again and yo uh in the comments uh first subscribe and like all of our stuff all the kin stuff all of upright stuff or upright be dipping and diving on, on social yeah, i'll be i'm, I'm off so social right now i'm yeah. just uh um, i'm on i'm on youtube as uh beats and guitars but uh yeah i'm not on social right now i'm taking a break all good but yo yeah. just be sure to comment in here too 
about uh, you know any if there's any other questions or anything i don't know you know but this gives peter and them that another place to be looking for stuff that people are but go to the places where peter recommended go to the forums or the, the facebook group to to give your feedback and all that stuff and for the beat people podcast be sure to follow us on instagram uh uh like and subscribe to b-boy tech report channel and if there's anything that you want to see us do similar to this for other products and other stuff that's out there hit us up we'll do that all right and on that note uh peter is there anything you want to say in closing before i pull the curtains thank you to my mom my dad <laughs> of course you know everybody that i worked with has been fantastic with this product and i'm you know the community has been really positive and it's it's given me a lot of joy but it's also giving all the people that work so hard on this product a, a lot of uh, great vibes and great feelings so thank you everyone for you know being interested and thank you for you guys for having me word and on that note we'll call it one thanks everybody, thanks, everybody.